0: we're going to go ahead and, and jump in this morning to our this is us series and this is us the reason we're making a really big deal out of this is us is because this is who we are not only as a church called trinity but the people of god and in fact the people of god have been around for thousands of years And in the last two thousand years we've called ourselves christians or christ followers and if you followed along with the scripture reading this morning that Tim shared a few minutes ago. It was the church of Antioch where Christians were first called Christians. And that word literally means little Christs. Do you feel like a little Christ this morning? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you feel less than a little Christ. Or maybe you feel like you could walk on water this morning. But in either case, God has claimed you as his child. He has redeemed you and He has purposed you to be a part of what He is doing in the world. And so, what we're talking about all through this series, This Is Us, is how God has not only changed the world through Jesus Christ, but He continues to do that through regular good old people just like you and me. So, for the next eight weeks, we're going to be studying 16 different stories from the book of Acts, eight of them are gonna be on Sunday mornings, just like this. And we'll be studying the first one today from Acts chapter 11 and 13. But then our small groups will be handling eight more stories in the middle of those Sunday mornings. So if you have not joined a small group yet, it's not too late. If you've not created a small group yet, it's not too late. That's where you'll receive the materials and the guidance and the leadership to be able to explore the other half of those stories in the book of Acts. So let's talk about that after the service today, if you're interested, in either joining a This Is Us small group or creating one. Let's go ahead and dive into our story here this morning, This Is Us. So we talked about some interesting characters in the Bible, and one of them is a guy named Saul. And Saul was the kind of person who had a very difficult job, but was really good at it. Before Saul became a Christian, his job was to persecute Christians and to make their lives very difficult. And there was one main reason that he did this. The reason was to try to change them so that they would stop following Jesus and go back to the way things were. Now, the people that Paul was persecuting, they typically were Jews who adhered to the tenets of the Jewish faith. And all of a sudden, even though they continue to meet in synagogues and to gather together in small groups in their homes, they've begun to follow Jesus. And Paul considered it his life's mission to change their minds. So the scripture says that Paul literally would drag men and women and implicitly even their children with them out of their homes and put them in jail for being Christians. And as you look at the screen, if you're listening by podcast, you're seeing an image of a man kneeling on the ground and a bunch of people with football-sized rocks raised over their heads. They were getting ready to stone this gentleman named Stephen. Now Stephen was what was called a deacon in the early church. He was charged with pastoring and ministering to people who needed food, who needed basic support. And Stephen was one of those people as a deacon who freed up the preachers and teachers to be able to focus on their task, preaching and teaching. But Stephen got into trouble with those who would persecute the early Christian church. And in fact, he was so bold and so outspoken that they dragged him out and were getting ready to stone him for blasphemy. So the image you see on the screen, and if you're listening by podcast, is Stephen knelt on the ground and people holding rocks over him. The reason is, and this is very graphic, they were getting ready to throw those rocks at him until he was what? Until he was dead. it was called stoning. And he was being punished for blasphemy. What's blasphemy? Blasphemy is where you say somebody's not God, right? Or somebody is God, who is not. Put it that way. where you say that somebody's God, but they're really not. And who was he saying was God? Jesus. And so some of the Jewish leaders took offense at this because they didn't believe Jesus is God. And so they were going to stone him for blasphemy. And the scripture says that Paul stood at a distance and watched over their cloaks. They took off their coats so that they could get into stoning him with all their whole beings, their whole bodies. And and Saul, as he was known back then, stood over their coats and gave approval, the scripture says. So here's what happened to the church. Uh, Jorge, would you go back one and look at this scripture? Let's go one backwards. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures and a a quote by Justin Martyr. In Matthew chapter 26, the Bible says that Jesus told his disciples, This very night you will all fall on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Justin Martyr, who was beheaded uh, in 165 as a part of the church, said, The more we are persecuted, the more Do others in ever-increasing numbers, embrace the faith, and become worshipers of God through the name of Jesus. And let's go two forward. Here's what happened. Whenever the church was persecuted, starting with the persecution of Stephen, where he was stoned for blasphemy, wherever the church was persecuted and was stopped by violence, what would happen is the church would spread. The church would actually scatter, like the scripture said, the sheep would scatter, and people would scatter, and with them, they would take the church, because the church is not a building. The church is you and me, just like it was them, men, women, and children. So every time the church was persecuted, and it looked like stopped by the governing authorities, the church would actually have the opposite effect. People would run. But then they would take the word of God and their new faith in Jesus with them. So the church would actually spread. And this is what happened. If you look at the map on the screen, and again, if you're listening, there's a map of the Middle East on the screen, particularly the area of Samaria, Phoenicia, Syria, and down at the bottom of the map is Jerusalem. Now, when Paul was overseeing the persecution and stoning death of Stephen, this took place in Jerusalem. That's kind of where his home camp was. That's where his office was. That's where he operated out of and where he was in charge of persecuting Christians. And let's go to the next. But what happened is the scripture says, while Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the church and was traveling to a place called Damascus. And by the way, Damascus is still there today in Syria. You hear about it in the news, right? So he was traveling to that ancient city. And while he was traveling, the scripture says, that God knocked him off his horse and blinded him. And the story goes, Jesus asked Paul why he was persecuting his church. Paul didn't know what to say, because it was Jesus actually talking to him. Jesus was sharing with him what Jesus was going to do with Paul the persecutor. Jesus basically changed Paul's whole life in that one moment. He got his attention by speaking to him directly, but he blinded him, had him go on into Damascus and changed his whole life, the direction of his whole life, where he spoke to him and said, you are going to be the one who's going to take the gospel out to the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world. That changed Paul's whole life. The Bible says after that, Paul went out into Arabia, and then back into Jerusalem. And he traveled all around and let's go to the next. And he ended up way up to the top of the screen there on the map in his hometown of Tarsus. Now imagine if you had grown up in a certain township around Chicagoland or somewhere else, and you went off somewhere and you got involved in some trouble and you needed to recover from that trouble. You might be tempted to go back to your hometown, right? So when Paul's life was changed, the Bible says he wandered around for two or three years, but then eventually made his way back up to his hometown of Tarsus, where he stayed there for about nine years, we think, something like eight or nine years. Now, what was he doing during those nine years? We don't know. Maybe he was preaching and teaching like the Paul we know. We don't know that. Maybe he was recovering. Maybe he was hiding because he was on the run getting into trouble preaching the good news of Jesus and being persecuted by the same people that he used to persecute others with? We don't really know. But here's what happened next. Paul grew as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ in very specific ways. And if you're a notes-taking person, what I would challenge you to do is see how this growth that Paul experienced, this change that Paul experienced, might affect you and your life and those of the lives that you love. Sometimes God gets your attention unexpectedly, doesn't he? How does that work? Maybe when God gets your attention, it's through an illness. Maybe you do metaphorically fall off your horse and hit your head right on the ground. Maybe you are blinded by something in life. Maybe God speaks to you in those moments. Maybe he gets your attention in ways that you weren't expecting. Maybe he does it that way on purpose. Have you ever thought about that? Think about how your life has been challenged either by persecution, by being ridiculed for your faith, or by getting into trouble and wondering where God is. See, the apostle Paul, he thought he knew where God was. He thought he had the answers, but then Jesus knocked him off his horse and changed his mind. All of this we know to be for good. Those purposes that we don't know in the moment when God gets our attention, those purposes are for good. They are meant to change us and to grow us into something different. And when that happens, there are two things happening. One. You and I are changed and grown and the kingdom of God, what we call his family, is changed and grown. And both things happen at exactly the same time. We get changed and grown on the inside and then start to behave differently. We start to think, speak and act differently. And as such, the kingdom of God also changes and grows. The two things happen at exactly the same time and the next one. And we go back to our map. We see that in the scripture, there was a gentleman named Barnabas. Barnabas (laughs) would be a partner and a friend of Paul's. We'll hear a little bit more about him as we go. Barnabas was down in Jerusalem and heard about a brand new church plant in Antioch. They would have been probably about the size of our campus right here. They would have been a small group in the beginning and they would have grown as the word of God kind of took root and grew inside them. Well, Barnabas began to hear about the church in Antioch and their growth. So he traveled up to Antioch and the scripture says that as he traveled up there, he began to teach and preach and lead in that new congregation. But he also knew that there was a man named Saul who had been changed by Jesus and was hunkered down in Tarsus. So the scripture says that Barnabas went north up to Tarsus, found Saul who the scripture is starting to call him Paul now, partnered with him and brought him back down to the church of Antioch and the two of them served together. One of them was more seasoned in the faith. One of them was younger in the faith. One of them was a mentor. The other was an apprentice and the two of them served together, teaching and preaching in the church. And as they did that, the Bible says that the church began to grow. So the word of God brings people. The unhindered word of God brings people. When the unhindered word of God is shared with people in love, people will come and hear it. Why? Because people want to hear from who? From God. They wanna hear that God is real and that he loves them and that he died for them and rose again for them. They want to hear that they have purpose and power and meaning in God's kingdom, or what we call God's family. You see, this is us. This is who we are. We are members of God's family. And God has captured our attention, hasn't he? Otherwise, we wouldn't be here this morning, would we? Especially not if we'd had a party at our house until four o'clock the previous morning. What gets people to come and gather together with their family on Sunday morning after a late night? It is the love of God. It's His calling. It's Him drawing us together as a family. Let's look at the next. So here's what happens when that occurs. When the family of God gathers around the word and they began to grow, gifts began to emerge in the family. People begin to see themselves as brand new creations. They begin to see themselves as people who have a new life and a new purpose. They begin to manifest gifts, giftedness, and abilities that the Holy Spirit creates in them and gives them. It's kind of like the image you see on the screen of a Twix being broken in half and shared with another person. God gives us that Twix. He gives us something sweet in life. It's what Jesus called the abundant life, a life that is overflowing. And he gives us that life because the life is meant to be shared. It's meant to be given. It's meant to grow in someone else alongside us. And when that happens, we grow. When we grow and share gifts that we've been given, we continue to grow more from that as the other person who receives those gifts grows alongside us. The growth is contagious, it is powerful, and it's something that God alone initiates through His Word. So the challenge for us today is threefold, as you'll see up on the screen, and if you're listening, the idea is to look and listen for needs that are right around you. When someone's throwing a party in their home and they're hanging out with people, they may hear some good things that are going on in people's lives. They may also hear about challenges and needs. That's why when we talk about entertaining, listening, and inviting, when we entertain, it gives us the opportunity to hear about needs. And then listening gives us the opportunity to pray for people, even if it's for 20 or 30 seconds, so that they can experience the love of God for just a minute or two and get a little bit of a taste of it. Kind of like the Twix on the screen. Let me ask you a question. If somebody gave you a Twix right now, could you only take one bite? If somebody gave you a can of Pringles right now, could you only eat one? No, you'd have to eat the whole can, right? You'd have to get more Pringles, more Twix. It's the same with God. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste and see something's good, Like the cake we had at the Talianis the other night, you get one little sliver of carrot cake and then what? You got to come back for more, right? It's the way the kingdom of God works. Look and listen for needs, for challenges. Look and listen for opportunities to pray. And then look for the opportunity to be outwardly mobile, to move toward together meeting those needs. I spoke with a lady uh, who is an executive in a domestic uh, shelter network here in DuPage County this past week. And they have a hotline for folks who are experiencing domestic violence. She said people call into that hotline 24 seven and that their number one need for volunteers is for people to experience a 40 hour training and actually be on call for the hotline during certain times of the week. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty deep commitment to me, right? What if I just wanted to serve on a very entry-level basis? Well, what we could do is participate with this agency and, uh, and do a, a run or a walk that perhaps raises funds for them one time, something that's very easy and entry-level. But what if I wanted more? What if I had a taste of that kind of servanthood and wanted to grow in my servanthood. What if there were more ways to serve? Well, this particular agency will train you for 40 hours for free and will put you on a hotline where you will receive incoming calls from women who are either being battered physically or battered emotionally, spiritually, or financially. They will trust you with the lives of those women so that you can then forward them and refer them on to the services they need, which could be the police, could be a hospital, could be a place to stay that is safe. The point being is that there are needs in our community all around us. There's a, uh, there's a food pantry to the south and west of us that we're talking with right now, exploring the opportunity to, uh, to support them and to serve them. There are needs right around us in DuPage County and in Will County, right around us in Naperville, in Romeoville, in Joliet, in Shorewood, in Aurora. There are deep needs all around us. God is calling us as a family of God to pay attention to those needs and to grow together exploring how we can help meet those needs in His name. This will call each one of us into leadership. Now maybe you don't feel like a leader. Maybe you don't feel like a little Christ. Maybe you don't feel like somebody's Twix. But the good news of Jesus is that you are, even in spite of yourself. The good news of Jesus is that no matter who or how you came to the church through, you are God's beloved. He sent His Son to die for you and also to rise for you and also to deploy for you. God called you into that life. That is the Twix. That is the abundant life. And God has called you, specifically you, into that life. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, But when you get a little taste of what that life is like, you can't just have one bite. You gotta have the whole Twix. Maybe consider that, think about that, and pray on that as we go back out into our lives these weeks in between Sunday mornings. Who is God setting up conversation with? Who is God bringing to us for service, for healing, or for hope? Every single week, we're gonna have the opportunity to explore that and to do that together as a family. So we're gonna welcome our kids back in right now. Can we give them a round of applause and welcome them in? And as we do that, as they rejoin the family, we're gonna let them come in and join together in prayer. Welcome back in, you guys. Good to see you all. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for making us into your family. Thank you for giving us a new calling, a new life. We love you and we thank you and we worship you this morning with all of who we are. God, we pray that as you grow us and as you challenge us, just like the church at Antioch, we ask that you point us as a family in the right direction, that we may serve the way you've called us to serve and that we may be a part of meeting needs and blessing the world around us as you have called us to bless and to meet needs. Father, as we celebrate you now through the prayers of the church and that you hear our voices back in response, we ask God that you would bless us and that you would grow us so that we may be a blessing. In your name we pray and together we say, amen.